Hi guys, so um, I clearly hate myself because I literally recorded an entire episode and I finished and I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> so here we go again. Um, okay, I wanted to provide some updates and just to let you guys know if there is any comments or anything that uh, you feel um, you, you want to ask questions about, if you feel that needs to be clarified or anything of that nature, please let me know either in the comments uh, under the video or, you know, you can contact me personally. Um, I'm sure that a number of you have um, the social medias or what have you to um, do so. Um, and if you don't, you can um, comment on the thing and I'll figure out how to connect you to a space where you can contact me privately. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to update something that I mentioned regarding uh, the prevalence of uh, self-identified white people in Louisiana who speak Creole. Um, I originally, I think, overemphasized the uh, role of miscegenation in creating um, that unique population that I think is definitely um, rather unique to uh, Louisiana. Um, but not, you know, it's not like the only place where you'll find such an occurrence. But um, I was, it was brought to my attention that um, other contributions are the, for example, uh, the, the, the fact that there are, um, there were a number of uh, white people who uh, worked alongside um, uh, many um, formerly enslaved or descendants of such, uh, you know, black people in Louisiana um, who were Creolophone. And that allowed them to uh, gradually acquire uh, traits of Creole, gradually um, pick up the language, especially if you um, consider some things such as um, Remember, we had this thing called the Civil War. A lot of people um, were um, pretty down bad, just, uh, so to speak, after the Civil War. And so they, um, you know, they, they did the best they can. Uh, they did the best they could. And um, they, I, I have definitely heard of um, a lot of um, people working on uh, land and stuff like that um, as farmers of uh, with um, black Creolophones, and that could have very well could have provided, uh, I guess, enough contact for um, you know white people to uh, uh, be influenced, um, but perhaps enough to um, um, acquire uh, the Creole language. In addition to that, um, you know. Um, a lot of uh, there was a concept of the the, the mami uh, the you know the 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 concept of uh, a lot of uh, black women, both uh, enslaved and later uh, free black women, would uh, play a crucial and unforgettable role in the rearing of uh, white children. And I think that's a super important um, concept. And definitely, uh, if that black woman were 
or to be a Creolophone. She could have been, um, you know, speaking to the white children in Creole and, um, you know, passing that language on and, and stuff like that. Uh, now, the only thing that I'd, I I want to comment on that is that I, I do definitely believe that uh, the the role of the free people of color as uh, I haven't been able to locate exactly where I read that, but I'm pretty sure it was in um, one of Sybil Kind's writings. Um, but the free people of color really also, um, you know, provided that sort of link between at the time the enslaved population and the white population. Uh, and I, I do believe that that is a contributing factor as well. Uh, because also, if you have, if you think about it, for a, a language to be acquired, it's not easy. Like you're not just going to randomly, spontaneously, especially like if we're looking at the case of you're saying like, oh yeah, like uh, blacks and whites have just been exposed to each other's languages and been around each other for a long time. Well, um, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to acquire the whole language. It would have to be, um, I, I mean, the the most, it, you know, you have to be really young to really kind of just like, you know, when we talk about natural acquisition of language um and stuff like that otherwise it's really just going to be like maybe words um expressions uh you're not going to fully you know they're not going to get the grammar and stuff like that if you're not really like um actively learning um because that's just how um it works and if you're talking about like the role that um you know these black Creolophones or any Creolophones uh, played in uh, rearing uh, the white children that could have, yeah, I mean, they're young, but then I guess you have to think about would those white children, even if they did learn it, would they be passing it on to their offspring? Could have been, ha could have, but it's just not. Um, I mean, perhaps, perhaps. Um, and if you want me to explain better, like the whole um, thing with the, uh, you know, free people of uh, color population and stuff like that, well, um, simply there were, uh, I mean, the, the Creole language has uh, definitely been in, uh, you know, it's been around um, amongst the free people of color. Uh, population for a long time okay uh, it just was and and they uh a lot of a lot of the free people of color would eventually um um well it, it it's a kind of it is a kind of complicated uh topic but there are a lot of there are a lot of things that you could kind of look at. Like you could even talk about, oh, how you know some of these uh, free people of color would kind of later branch into the white community, and we could talk about things like passing and stuff like that. The only thing with passing, like you know, you you might get a little bit of eh, I don't know if they were necessarily, um, you know, um, if they would even likely in that case the language would not be passed on but um 
I think there were a lot more sort of subtle, but even not, uh, you, you have to realize that, you know, the, the concept of race gets a lot of, a, a, a little bit confusing. So um, when I am talking about white people, some of the people are probably may not even consider themselves white. Who freaking knows at this point? Because it, it's difficult, you know, um, Louisiana, and this is why I and many other scholars consider Louisiana to be a Latin, because we see this sort of same racial um, kind of uh, racial presentation, I guess you could say, that you would find elsewhere. That's why, you know, if you look at a lot of countries in Latin America, people uh, largely prefer to identify with their ethnicity rather than their race because it's a little bit too complicated. If you're a mixture of all these things and there's not really one uh, ancestral heritage is not really taking precedence over another it's going to be quite hard if people are like you know you come to um anglo-america and they're like well are you black or are you white that's that just like i said in my video that's a complicated question for people of latin origin where they're both of european and uh and african ancestry now we are uh well it, that, it i mean it's been a, a case for a while because what happened was after slavery ended and um, there, this was put very well in the, I'm going to get this title for you. So Anthony uh, G. Bartholomew uh, wrote Light Bright, Damn Near White. And he explains this very, very well uh, where uh, after the Civil War, there's no more free people of color, really, because guess what? Everybody's free now. So the free people of color, now it's like they were faced with, okay, well, you can't hold on to the fact that you're free and to leverage that sort of, you know, and hold on to that to give you power because now the question is well do you have african ancestry or do you not so then those sort of racist attitudes kind of uh, you know like shuffled you know one drop rule shuffled people who nowadays they would walk into any place and you know um walk around as any other white person now all of a sudden they're being shoved into the same category as the people that they were enslaving just a few decades ago. And, you know, and now they're Negro. Um, so, you know, the descendants of these people are, especially because a lot, <laughs> I, I'm not, I can't say definitely not all of them, but a decent amount of them now, a few generations later, they're, you know, great-grandchildren and whatnot. They're in the white community. And a lot of the, I know it is, you know, a touchy subject, but, you know, I see it on Ancestry. I have, um, you know, cousins of my own who are, you know, white and and everything. And But I, I do believe that there are a lot of people who are unfortunately in denial walking around here, like 75, 80% European is talking about their you know, not trying to say that they're not like white or whatever, but that's another issue. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, I think that, you know, definitely 
um i i get it you know a lot of people are like oh my god you know you're not this is not like where you're from da, 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 da. i i know you know what i mean like i i know that it is very odd and i know it's not as simple as for someone like me where it's like all right well there's really no kind of question about well i, I you know, for me, it's never really been a question like that, where I've never really had to, like, think, like, I'm checking off a box. And I'm like, oh, damn, am I black or I'm white? You know, but I I get it. For people who are Latin, that is a complicated question, right? Um, but that's something that I'm saying where, like, when we're talking about, uh, oh, yeah, white people speaking Creole, I'm talking about people who who are majority predominantly European. And so, yes, that could very well include, and I know people uh, in my family, right, where that includes people who are predominantly European and they had the Creole language in their family um, that was either a little bit or, or fully passed on. Anyway, so I think that's, you know, um, that's essentially it. Definitely just wanted to give some updates on that. And uh, I guess the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the fact that, it, it you know, linguistics is, is a very, um, ling- Louisiana has a very confusing and complex linguistic uh, environment, okay? Um, and when we talk about, oh, who speaks Creole and who doesn't, it's not black and white. And I don't think I said that in the last podcast, but we're going to say it again. Okay. Say it again. So, um, so that everyone can hear it now, you know, Creole is not only spoken by black people. Creole is not only spoken by people who identify ethnically as Creole, just like Cajun French, we have seen Cajun French being spoken uh, by people who identify as Cajun and people who do not identify as Cajun, right? I think, uh, you know, um, Dr. Uh, Thomas Galinger did a, a very nice study where he actually looked at that and tested those variables directly. It was nice, you know, very... Um, you know, um, nice linguistic study where he uh, wanted to see if there was like that sort of uh, correlation between um, ethnicity and self, um, uh, I guess, like self uh, descriptions of language. Uh, and I think he, he found that it was, uh, it was a little complicated because what he did was he, he, he found, uh, he had a sample of people from Louisiana and asked them, okay, what do you what what do you identify with racially what do you identify with ethnically is it like cajun creole and then what do you speak do you speak like what do you speak do you speak like cajun french do you speak like do you speak creole like what is it right and uh, he found that uh when he uh analyzed it because you can't just test the thing like you you have to have someone who's trained in linguistics go in and actually determine because like i said you might have very well grown up your whole life 
uh, saying you spoke French, but that's not French. It could be Creole. Or you might have been thinking you speak Creole, but it could be French, you know, because that is a lot. We found, well, I'm saying we, like I was part of the the study, Um, but, you know, Dr. Kalinger and them, they found that, um, you know, that people tend to... um, essentially identify their language with whatever their ethnicity is. So if they think they're Cajun and they identify as Cajun, they're going to say like, oh, I speak Cajun. If they think they're Creole, they're going to say, oh, I speak Creole. And you might say, oh, that I don't do that. Doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm talking about on average, okay? That's what the study found. Uh, the study found also something interesting uh, that we could um, briefly discuss, like the fact that pretty much all of the participants who identified as Creole were black, and all of the participants who identified as Cajun were white. And that is just uh, the you know recent phenomena where. Um, where white Creoles abandoned uh, the Creole ethnicity um, for the most part and identified as Cajun in order to, you know, um, I guess um, strengthen or or decrease any doubts of them having any sort of mixed race ancestry, right? And it's very interesting and complicated. Um, I was reading about some of this just now in Civil Kind's uh, book. Um, And so what happened was at first, uh, right after the Civil War, uh, a lot of uh, white Creoles began to try to convince people and like harp on like the original definition that Creole was someone who was a European born in the new world. So they put out all of these studies and all of this stuff trying to convince people that look, Creole, we are Creole, but Creole is European. So we're white and white is all right, right? You know, well, you know, obviously that would, you know, that's what the the time period, you know, was like that during the Reconstruction, post-Reconstruction period and stuff like that, especially with, like, you know, Jim Crow uh, settling in and stuff like that, right? Uh, and then eventually, so that was going on for a while, and then uh, eventually they apparently just said F it, and they uh, started, that's when kind of Cajun became, like, the hot new thing on the block. All right, so just to conclude this, I um, think that, you know, it it is definitely very complicated. Um, Louisiana definitely has a bit of an odd linguistic, um, you know, uh, like uh, environment in that they're, uh, you know, as I, I once stated before, that they're, 
we're seeing that people are not quite speaking French, they're not quite speaking Creole. Often at times it's uh, either something in the middle or people, even in a single individual, we see this sort of variation where somebody can start a sentence in Creole and then they may even finish it in French or vice versa. And so that be that you know makes it a little bit interesting. And the thing is, is that uh, according to McWhorter, this is not um, this is not observed in uh, French-based Creole societies. It's only uh, ex- observed with English uh, Creole. So I I would say I don't agree entirely. I think largely that's true. Like if we were to look at a place like Haiti, Creole and French are very distinct. Um, people and I actually did a, uh, a research project on this a couple of years ago where I uh, talked about uh, diglossia, like the phenomenon, the linguistic phenomenon of the diglossia, where I talked about in Haiti, um, the uh, there's a specific time to use Creole and a specific time to use French, and that's not taught, but people just know when to do it and when not to do it. And I actually conducted a little bit of an experiment on my own. I don't know if I got significant results, but largely I think at least it trended in that direction. Um, Whereas in Louisiana, it's just kind of like that can't work because people are so, you know, there's such, I guess, contact uh, of, you know, a lot of people have significant exposure to both French and Creole so that it's, you know, it's hard to, for some people to kind of isolate the two. And I think that makes it a little complicated because obviously, you you know, if we're talking about like, oh yeah, like why, um, why are white people speaking Creole in Louisiana as I was uh, once asked? Well, because kind of like everybody is speaking a little bit of Creole in Louisiana. If everybody's kind of like in the same spot and they've been in the same spot and everyone uh, is uh, having a little bit of exposure to the French growing up, a little bit of exposure to Creole growing up, um, there's going to be uh, a little bit of cross-cultural influence in addition to the other stuff that I described prior. All right, so we are going to end this there. Thank you for listening.